0: really our focus for the next 24 months for our acquisitions is there's there's a pricing reset that's already started to happen you look in some of these tools rising cap rates but just how far will these prices fall and what are those discounts remains to be seen what i think is clear is that we are going to see the best discount that we've seen since the great financial crisis
1: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Cameron Pym, co-founder and principal of Urban Landings, president at Elephant Development Services, experience in acquisitions, dispositions, debt, equity structuring, asset and property management, and leasing, which you're gonna hear how you got into this industry, of course, but how that's been so helpful in growing in this space and even in, into other Focuses, right, uh, in the business. But previously co founded two real estate investment companies, focuses on re- repositioning uh, undervalued multifamily assets. I worked in the industry uh, uh, for industry leaders to oversee portfolios of multifamily assets. Uh, oversaw performance portfolio. I, I mean, he, he's uh, actually consulted. We talked about this a little bit, but uh, he's he consulted uh, for the governor of Tennessee for best uses for state owned real estate as well. Uh, very uh, interesting there. But uh, Cameron's said a number of things, and you're going to hear him talk about, man, the cracks are starting to show uh, in the real estate uh, market. And you're going to hear him talk about what they're doing to prepare for that uh, on both sides of that, specifically as a buyer. I know you're going to learn a lot from Cameron today. Cameron, welcome to the show. Honored to dive into some of your experience. And I know we're going to I I appreciate just your outlook on some of that because having that experience is helping you so much in in your business today and and, or actually your focus. And I want to dive into that amongst some other skill sets that I know that you have that are going to help the listeners. Before we do, man, give us some of that background. Who's Cameron and how how did you become a, a multifamily sponsor? Sure. Well, thank you for having me on, Whitney.
0: It's a pleasure to be here my background, I came up on an asset management side of things with some local investors and developers and really learned how the assets function post-acquisition all the way to disposition, managing management teams, vendors on a the, the value-add rollout. So the execution piece is so important in in any investment. So I think... That's really helped me in how we underwrite for yeah. our acquisitions and what we look for from investment opportunities, and then how we we roll out our
1: our our whole business plan all the way through execution. Yeah, I think it's interesting when someone has that experience, the operations piece, right? Uh, that I mean, it, it can just because it like you you said it actually <laughs> execution <laughs> is so important, right? And right. Things that happen on the asset management side or the execution side, right, the, of the deal that unless you've been pretty involved, you don't know, I feel like, right? Uh, and, and and I know, I, and I'll just, I mean, speak personally, I, I like that and still like it. I feel like I still like it and maybe always will. Like what you feel like the knowledge of it, I want to have of the operations piece, but we've brought that expertise in-house or more experience the best we can, but speak to maybe how that's helping you now, your focus now in urban and, and, and how that's, how that's helping you. Yeah.
0: There, there's only so many inputs you can influence, but those inputs in an investment are so sensitive, right? And you start with getting in at the right acquisition price. But not only that, you have to have realistic rent expectations, rent growth expectations. Where are your renovated rents going to land amongst its competitive set? Do you have a realistic competitive set? What are your renovation expenses going to be? What's the timeline to roll that out? And then also, what are your opex expenses? As as we know, the exit terminal value is driven by the exit, right, or or by NOI. And so having realistic expectations and a thoughtful, thorough, step-by-step plan to achieve that is critical in in any deal that you do.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and, and what, what's your focus now at Urban? What, what What would you say you do every day?
0: I'm focused more so on the acquisition and investor relations side of things now, although I do, I can't. I can't help myself and I do join on our weekly operation calls with site teams. So we have a weekly overall ops call to discuss what we're seeing in the market, what challenges we may have on, what are some of the opportunities to improve our overall value proposition to our residents and prospects. And then we also have a pricing call that immediately follows that using our, our pricing tools. And they're the pricing expert within the management company's team. So, but right now, outside of that, I'm focused on sourcing deals, kind of picture investment thesis. When do we think it's the right time to pull a trigger? Or have have we found, where are the deals right now? Um, And as many will tell you, they are few and far between. We're in kind of a weird lull. And for somebody who... Loves the acquisition side of things. It's, it's kind of a boring time. Not a lot of deal sense, but I think all of that is to change with all this debt maturity and the aggressive acquisitions that were made over the past year or two.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of that. Cause I know that's perk the listeners ears for sure. Cause they're all feeling it. I feel like whether they're active or passive, they're thinking, man, where's the, the deal flow, right? I mean, mm-hmm. both sides of that coin there. So, on the what do you where do you see the just the market right now? Right as far as from an, maybe right. an acquisition standpoint,
0: the cracks are starting to show.
1: We're starting to see deals where sponsors and their
0: lenders realize that this is not working, and that either the sponsor is going to have to sell at a discount, or worst case scenarios. A lender may have to send, sell at a discount to the loan that they put out there and we're seeing that now we're starting to see we've been tracking a number of deals that, that we we're trying to work out before they went to the courthouse steps and i'm not sure that the lenders going to get the price they want on those courthouse steps so we're continuing to watch those deals and 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 see when and where somebody's ready to make a deal and that's really our focus for the next 24 months for our acquisitions is there's there's a pricing reset that's already started to happen. You look in some of these tools, rising cap rates, but just how far will these prices fall and what are those discounts remains to be seen. What I think is clear is that we are going to see the best discount that we've seen since the great financial crisis. And I don't know that they'll be as deep as that, but it, it seems like a really great time to be buying assets when that happens.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It seems that way. Right? <laughs> it should be a good time to buy at that point. Uh, how do you know when you're at that point or how, how are you all going to make that decision or assessment and say, you know what, this is the time to start buying? I mean, that's kind of the, the decision that has to be made, right? Uh, for all of us. Uh, how are you all thinking through that as we move you know, forward into potentially opportunities like you're talking about?
0: Sure. I mean, I, I think you've just got to underwrite in a realistic manner. What are your What are you getting in comparison to your comps from a price per unit standpoint? What are your acquisitions per unit standpoint? What are your ending rents going to be? I, I don't think you can underwrite really aggressive rents with the uncertainty in the economy. Is there... Has the existing sponsor done some renovations and proven that they can achieve certain rents? And we're underwriting to the rents we've achieved. Usually we're underwriting without any rent growth in the first year and probably a discount, maybe one and a half percent year two, maybe in some markets where we think, or some markets where we think are supply constraint and job growth, maybe it's 3%. But I think you just have to be, Increasingly conservative in your underwriting assumptions as to what rents you can achieve. What are your opex going to be? How expenses have blown out from a payroll standpoint, cost of goods, taxes, and insurance. So, and then you're also underwriting to an expanded cap rate. So I think. You, you take all those factors, and if those still hit your return parameters, then I think you've got yourself a deal that makes sense. If you can add a distress story in there, can tell you there are a lot of uh, booty groups and family offices that are that are looking for that story and will be eager to participate in your investment.
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about that a little bit because uh, I feel like many investors are. There's there's tons of cash waiting, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and, there is, uh, and we talk about it often. Uh, but it's like, you know, you you mentioned the story. I mean, it, it's so crucial, right, that that story is represented or presented to them. And and maybe you can, you know, how how are you all doing that so investors are ready to invest in your deals, right, in a time where I, I think many are are still scared, right, to, uh, to jump in. Sure, we built our company on a deal-by-deal
0: basis. So we tend to under-promise and over-deliver. We've never lost investors' money. And I think we've built trust with our our existing investor base through that. And we've been very communicative on existing deals and what's coming for the future. We're, We're raising a fund to take advantage of these opportunities. We just say, look, we're going to be very patient. We think that This is a great opportunity for wealth creation for our investors, um, but we're going to make sure that we anchor our fund with the right deals and the right opportunities. Invested with us long enough, trust us. They know that we're uh, very attuned to the markets that we're in, and that we understand potential for what's coming. And so they've, Been patient with us. A lot of people are eager to put money to work, myself included as an acquisition guy. But you you don't want to be stuck in a bad deal, and that's really where where how we've been underwriting and making sure that we're not stuck in any bad deals, and that we are taking advantage of this great opportunity presented to us.
1: Is there a way that maybe you all are are keeping those investors the leads warm, right and ready? For when you find that opportunity that does have that story at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're constantly reaching out to them, talking to them, whether that's just personal phone calls or via email as well. A lot of them are, are existing deals that are still performing well, and we're giving commentary as to what we're seeing in the market and where we think we are with those deals. And fortunately... We bought well and didn't overstretch in in the acquisition side of things. And we underwrote conservatively enough that we're still, we're
1: still hitting our our modeled returns. What about, I was just thinking through finding these kinds of opportunities. There's delicate balance there, right? I, I think we've talked about it, of course. I think everybody is, but... An operator who's in trouble, right? They, they, they don't want to like raise the white flag, right? Before they just absolutely have to, and and right. maybe there's probably times there though that man, then it's too late, right, to get help, or or for the best scenario, right? It's a horrible scenario for that for that owner or, or seller or whatever at the time. But how are you all? How would you say we're going to find these opportunities so we can make that connection and? And, and buy them yeah it's it's a relationship business it's
0: very much many things in life. it's who you know and who are your contacts there we've my, my partners and i have been in this space for quite some time and built a large rolodex so whether that's through brokers lenders their special servicers other sponsors that we know in the market that we've stayed in contact with and have dealt done deals with in the past. So it's a mixture of all of that. And it's really just being very active and 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 reaching out to those. You can you can use some online resources to kind of see how a deal's going tabs on them. And we've been doing a lot of that and we have a systematic approach to that as well as to how we are going to reach out to perhaps new relationships and new opportunities that we see having some issues.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so much is a relationship business to say the least. And it is going to be through those relationships where somebody might share, right? We got a property that's not doing great. Right. And then you can start the conversation and and maybe you all can be a help to them. Right. That's right. Before, before the bank would have to take it or whatnot. But it's a, it's a tricky, tricky time there, right? and yeah. uh, provide a service but also getting a, a project at a good deal right at the same time
0: have you all Go ahead. there's a delicate balance there. i mean when you look at the other side of the table there are sponsors with their investors that have the potential to lose a lot of money and i think any way that you can help them and preserve their equity and, and dignity is welcomed at this point i would right. caution costing those that feel like they might be on the wrong path to sooner rather than later because time is not going to be their friend in these instances. Waiting longer with the potential of another Fent rate hike. Um, uncertainty in, in the economic environment, I think the sooner you're having these conversations, it allows the, the creative solutions to be presented and maybe find your best deal Yeah, to, to be rescued. And in some instances, people will have to take a haircut. Others may wait too long. And unfortunately that, that equity is going to be wiped out from, for them. And if they add investors in the deal, they're investors as well. So.
1: Yeah, no, completely agree. Earlier, the better. And if you're, I mean, I just think oftentimes too, you kind of, if they're forecasting and you're, it almost goes back to the first part of our conversation, right? Understand the execution piece, having good books really understanding what's happening at the property level and your expenses and assumptions and those things you can, uh, you should be able to see six months out. We're not going to be able to survive or right. Uh, I mean, at that, right. at, a, at a project, uh, but oftentimes, I mean, it's so hard. So, and, and it would be for me as well. I mean, I, I'm not acting like I'm uh, above that. Right. But I can see how operators, I mean, they're going to wait, right. Maybe something's going to mm-hmm. happen. We're going to keep buying time. And like you said, oftentimes, man, you need that time to bring in somebody to just minimize the damage as much as possible, to say the least. Right. It, you'll see. Any kind of, I was just thinking through like the investment criteria, right? That you all have. Maybe you could highlight that a little bit, and we'll talk about that even in this, you know, part of the cycle. Sure. We specialize in working class achievable.
0: So what we focus on is buying, first off, in growing Sunbelt, Mellon West markets where job and population growth are both strong. They're also markets that we're familiar with. So we've operated in them before. We've lived there. We've worked there, played there, et cetera. So we feel like we have deep market knowledge. And we've built relationships there, too. From there, what we're looking to do is, you know, your kind of classic rents are at least at a 20% discount to what your stabilized renovated rents would be. We are also underwriting to a discount to area mortgages, at least 20% discount of that average monthly cost. And then we're also, you've kind of heard the financial planners talking about you shouldn't spend more than 30% of your monthly take-home pay on housing. So we always want our ending rents to be at a discount to that as well. In a lot of instances, our product type is renter by more so necessity. So there's a stickiness to it. But with that, these are our renters are backbones of the communities. There are educators, healthcare providers, service workers. And so they deserve a place where they feel safe and proud of where they live. So we tend to do a very nice renovation scope, similar to an A-class high-rise, just in an older vintage. And many times we're in the same neighborhood, right? We're several doors down where the building was built in 1980 or 1960. But, you know, when you're on the inside of it, it it looks very similar. The finishes are similar. And our teams are executing in a similar manner. It doesn't feel like it's just a cheap, we have to live here product this place that people are happy about. It's highly amenitized. And so there's kind of a stickiness and a happiness to be a resident there. And it serves well, even in kind of these tumultuous times, we're still seeing significant demand for our product type and we're getting great uh, work. work We've got great renewal retention as well. So, uh,
1: yeah. Any other metrics you all use when establishing that criteria, that are even even return metrics for your investors sure. or anything like that? It's like, well, we got to be able to project this to to even pursue the deal. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think for any investor to get excited, they typically want a mid to high teens LP return and some sort prep return, maybe that's 8% or so. And we underwrite with some cushion in there. So if I think I could get you a set, if I'm showing you a 17% return, there's a few points of cushion where I think we can actually beat this. And that's through being conservative in rents, opex, capital improvements, expanded cap rates. Some of these things you can control, some of them you can't, right? And you never know, as great as you could be at writing a business plan, you never know which of those metrics is going to get a little bit out of whack. But if you have enough cushion in all of those metrics, in theory, you should have a very solid investment regardless because not everything is going to go right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah are you sure? Not everything <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and I, I tell you something. Even, even recently, I'm just putting some of this together, right? you know, as we have obviously conversations with investors all the time, we talk about things are not going to go right. And what looks right to you as the operator may not look as right to the investor, sure, right? Just the different perspectives, right? You know, the operations and the way things are done and, and whatnot. Is there a, maybe speak to this and what, and, why, and we're going to continue the conversation, so the listener knows. In another segment, we're going to get to, continue to keep diving into on a few things with Cameron and his expertise. But how do you all do investor updates? What do you, what does that look like, even in a time of where investors are they're concerned right now? Right? Has any no. of that changed? And what does that look like for you all?
0: No, we do a monthly investor financial reporting and just overall narrative on how the project's coming, photographs of work made value add, the program showing the progress, saying where we are to budget, et cetera. And then we do a more robust quarterly report as well. From there, I I actually handle the investor relations currently. And I have always, at the end of every email, always encourage people to reach out with any questions. I leave my email and my cell phone number. And anytime people do take me on that, I, I, I welcome it, right? I love to talk shop. And I, I think having educated investors are your best investors. So if they have a question as to why you want to do something and they want to dig a little bit further and understand the process and how we arrived at that decision, I think that makes for them to feel better about their investment, a little more comfortable in how you arrived at that decision and what the other avenues were. And And the other thing is, is, we have investors from a lot of other industries, and I think getting unique perspectives from somebody else from another industry can actually lead to great ideas on how do, we, how do we look at something differently than we have from our institutional background where it's always done like this, right? Well, maybe somebody has a point here. So I think the open line of communication is really important with investors. At any time, but especially in times of uncertainty. So, uh, we we welcome it, and and
1: yeah, I I heard a quote. This is actually just this morning, Cameron. Mm-hmm. And I heard a quote, and this is actually in a different industry, but then I, I thought this applied to say like the CEO seed or whatnot of, of our businesses, right, or the acquisitions, either one. Of and and the quote was. See it, seeing it once is better than hearing it a thousand times, and and I just I just thought that like was a great reminder to me. Like I still need to be talking to investors, right? I still need to be asking them questions and them being able to give me feedback or ask me questions. And it's interesting over the years, I've obviously been more and more removed from that. But even what you were just talking about, it's like I, I, I try to be available, but I still am not. I'm not pursuing that enough, I think, right? And I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? You're available. You're having those conversations because often their questions that make me better, right? In one way or yeah. the other, they make us better as a company. And I think that's very valuable. Is there anything else in the, you said uh, like the third month uh, is there's more detail, anything special you'll add there for investors or any kind of, I don't know details that you found that investors, man, they love knowing this thing or anything specific?
0: I think they want to track against your pro forma. When are we going to hit these major milestones? I think that's a great opportunity. Educate your investors as to where you are in the business plan and the process. So I think that resonates really well. And I think they love to see photos progress and we know before and after and to show the the difference in the two i mean it tells a really great story about what we're doing and the value that we're adding so pictures worth a thousand words right and i think that that
1: gives people comfort as well cameron i appreciate your time today and i want the listeners to get to know we're going to continue the conversation tomorrow in another segment but uh, Cameron how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Sure, you
0: can find me on LinkedIn,
1: Cameron Pym, or you can reach out at info at Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.